the first epistle of John. That's uh, we're going to be in chapter two this morning, and of course everywhere else throughout Scripture. But uh, that's the focus of our message this morning. John, a disciple, then uh, an apostle, named an apostle by Jesus Christ our Lord, um, walked with the other other eleven disciples and um, experienced the ups and downs. Uh, saw each other be confronted by the truth and, and probably embarrassed many times. We know Peter often uh, play, put his foot in his own mouth. And uh, Jesus challenges the ones he loves. And um, John is going to do, do so this morning. Uh, this, this epistle was probably written in about 96 AD. Uh, John took over the church in Ephesus from Paul. And if you recall, if you read the, in Revelation, uh, they lost their first love. It, uh, uh, they started out great and strong. And as they matured, some, sometimes they fell away. You know, sounds like, uh, uh, just like us. Sounds like Israel, time and time again. Uh, the Old Testament is, is wonderful. We get to read a lot about God's character in the Old Testament and then see how he walked with Israel uh, and how Israel walked with him and then walked away and then, then came back to him. And so is our life. You know, we oftentimes uh, do that. Our, our walks has the peaks and the valleys. And uh, I'm sure all of you, depending, you know, how, how long you've been walking with the Lord, uh, I'm thankful that, that I came to, to know the Lord and I received him when I was 18 years old. You know, as I look back and I think about it, it's probably saved me. It has saved me from, from a lot of turmoil. And, uh, you know, the truth changes lives. And uh, it changes our lives. And uh, that is uh, crucial for us to recognize um, sin in our lives. And John's going to address that here this morning. Um, he writes to us and he says, uh, he tells us why he writes to us, that our, that our joy might be full that we uh, sin not, uh, and, and that we can know that we have eternal life. And, you know, for me, that was one of the things that had, um, had really brought me to the Lord. I, I was seeking at a young age, uh, <laughs> if I was, were to die, do I know if I'm going to heaven or not? And um, I grew up in Catholicism, and I had asked the, uh, the, um, the ministers, the priests, you know, that very question, and I didn't get a good answer, not one that satisfied me. Uh, in fact, it scared me, it frightened me, and, and so God put it upon my heart that uh, I need to start seeking this, and so it's, it's interesting how he, he drew me in, but that was it. How can I know if I have eternal life? Uh, and so John... That's one of the reasons John writes to us here. The title of my message this morning is The Impossible Made Possible. I, I bet if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh great, he's going to talk about the impossible burger. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do that this morning. Although I will say, did you see the ingredients on that? I, I'm not sure. Um... But what's impossible with man is possible with God. 
And in chapter 2, John is going to give us tests. Uh, He's actually going to challenge us and he's going to test us about our faith. Is it real? Do we have a true faith? And if so, how do we know? And what does that look like? So let's uh, read the first verse in chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. You know, I'm glad that John gives us these tough portions of of the verse and then he follows it up with the hope. Because you can take verses out of Scripture and, and there are many very difficult verses. And this is what's great about Scripture. God knows us. And he knows that if there isn't any accountability, if there isn't really pressing in and, and getting to the heart of the matter, that there isn't going to be any change in our lives. And so, you know, if I go back uh, just in some of the previous verses, in chapter 1, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And then eight, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, if I just look at those verses, and I do, and and, you know, I meditate on these things, I am, I'm not doing well. I mean, It's impossible not to sin. I mean, yes, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And hopefully, we fail fewer times and less frequently. And the periods between them become longer and longer. But that's only if we're pressing in to the Lord. But John knows as he writes this, he's not, he's not writing to, to discourage us, but he's writing to keep this on the forefront of our minds that sin is a problem. It's a problem in the world and it's a problem in our lives even when we receive him and start following him. We need to make certain that we don't lose sight of that. And so John challenges us with that. But thankfully, though, he follows up, uh, verse 6, he follows with verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Thank God. But if. And we need to remember those things. But if. And I love the other buts. But God, if we walk in the light, it is crucial that we are doing that. We must walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship with one another. And as I mentioned in the announcements, 
you know, the Bible studies we attend, the, the church gatherings, the, the Thanksgiving dinners and stuff like that, that's fellowship with one another. And we're all encouraged by it. We love to get together and do that stuff. And it's encouraging to see everyone there. That's fellowship. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So are we confessing our sins? We have to continue to walk in the light to confess our sins. Recognizing that sin's a problem because the deceiver wants us to believe that there is no such thing as sin. I mean, look at the world today. Let's erase sin. You know, I'm just waiting for them to say, well, that's no longer a word. Let's take it out of the dictionary. It has no meaning. Or let's just keep it, but let's just give it a new definition, right? Sin City. Oh, this is a wonderful place to go. It's going to be so much fun. No. Sin is never a good thing. Sin separates us from God. (laughs) But Satan wants to distract us, and he's good at that. I mean, this is a problem from the very beginning, right? If we go back to Genesis chapter 3, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Right there, he's already, already twisting scripture. God never said that. God said you can eat of any fruit from the trees in the garden with the exception of one. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. One, two people on the planet, and they can't even get the story right. (laughs) So it goes on and on and on. And this is... Satan's goal. He wants to deceive as many as possible, keep people from knowing the truth. And so John is aware of this and he's keeping this uh, and he's addressing this with the people in Ephesus and with us. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in that day you eat of it Your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Would have been better not to know that. But again, you know, how many times do we convince ourselves of foolish decisions? Oh, we're going to learn more. We're going to know more. Isn't knowledge good? If it's the knowledge about God, yes, it is. If it's the knowledge about evil, no. We want to run from that. We want to avoid that. That's what's destroying mankind and humanity and it started from the beginning. And as sin abounds and continues, you know, it's exponential and it continues to escalate more and more. That's why we are where we are today in the world. 
And thank God that he already knew the program and what was going to happen. And it's written, but we have to live through this. And so how are we going to do that? Any sin is disobedience to God's word. It separates from God. Jeremiah says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Here's another great deception. We're a good people. You know, I'm a good person. Good people go to heaven. No, there are no good people. The heart is deceitful above all things. Believe me, you don't know it. The Lord searches our heart. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man how great it was in the earth. And then every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. All day, incurably sick. That's me. Now, at times, it's worse than others, right? But my heart's not good, except for the, what God makes good in it. But look at the world today. Satan wants to deceive the world. He wants to erase sin. If there's no sin, why do we need a redeemer? We don't. There's no problem. We don't have a problem. There's no sin. There's not even a God. So, live it up. I was uh, going through, and as I was reading this, sometimes... um, you know, your mind takes you in certain directions. And so I went and Googled some things and you know, I was doing some research um, into depressed people, divorce, how prevalent it is today, single parents, suicides, murder, depression. <laughs> Take these drugs. It's really an exciting trip. You're going to enjoy this. Oh my, how that happens to the young kids and, and even the adults today and then they get hooked. They don't know the truth. They've, they've swallowed the pill of deception. This is going to be great. And it's just destructive in people's lives. The amount of overdoses today is over 40,000 a year. And the CDC has a study, and as they watch these numbers, the epidemic, epidemic continues to get worse and worse and worse. Should that be happening? I mean, isn't this a world without sin, without Satan? There's no Satan either. That's what they tell you. It's just about you. No, we need the truth. We don't need more religion. 
It's the truth that's going to set us free. There are 1,800, more than 1,800 religions today. Why isn't this fixing the problem? There are self-help groups, self-improvement groups, recovery groups, yoga, meditation. All these are band-aids. They're distractions from the real truth. You know, get in this group. Yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get help. And I'm not saying these groups are bad, all of them. And, and, and some of them help a lot of people. But what is the truth that the group, the message is sending? We can get, we can solve all man's problems where we can't, but if we think we can, but we still don't know the truth that we're dead and lost in our trespasses and sins. It's like the, the scripture says, you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. What profit is that for a man? The world needs strong Christian soldiers. That's us. You know, oftentimes we become a little lackadaisical in our, in our walk. And we get comfortable. And we all like to be comfortable. And we're, we're seeking a lot of comfort in our lives, you know. Always trying to, well, let's, let's, let's get this. It'll make our life more comfortable. Let's do this. And those things are nice. And we're blessed by many of those things, especially in this country. We're very blessed people. And sometimes we are so blessed, we don't even recognize how blessed we are. But if you go to a third world country, I encourage you, by the way, to do that, serve in missions and, and do that stuff. But it, as you do that, you recognize very quickly, wow, we are very spoiled here. And, you know, that, that's a very comforting thing. It's, we love to come back home. But it can also be uh, a place of, of complacency. And it can happen very quickly and easily. So we don't want to uh, get caught up in that. Back to verse 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. It's encouraging us. We don't have to do it. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. John is telling us here, if you do sin... We have an advocate. And he immediately goes to say that if you do, we have an advocate. Because you know what will happen. We're still in the flesh. And until we're face to face with Jesus, we're going to be battling the flesh and the environment, the world around us. But I'm going to paint a picture. And I got this from David Guzik. He describes this scene uh, an advocate with the Father. It's a courtroom in heaven. And this is the highest court. And Jesus, he's our advocate. He's our, he's our attorney. And he's presenting the case to the judge. And the judge says, um, so you are being accused of being disobedient, a liar, a thief, an adulterer, a murderer, and a coveter. How do you plead? And our advocate 
uh, says guilty is charged. These things are true, aren't they? If not all of them, at least some of them. And we've failed, we've fallen short. We are not righteous. And so Jesus speaks the truth and says, yes, guilty is charged. And then he says, your honor, may I approach the bench? And he walks up to the bench and he says, Father, yes, this one is guilty, but this one is mine. I paid the price. I paid for their sin. Amen? Amen. Thank God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we don't think of, of, of the gravity of that situation. But take on all the debt you've ever incurred in your life and multiply that by a hundred. Could you ever pay it back? I mean, just think about that. You couldn't pay that back. Well, sin's even worse because the wages of sin is death. It's not just death here on earth, the death of the soul and the separation from God now, but this is an eternal problem. This isn't a... In fact, that's when it becomes worse because you can't change course after you pass on. And Jesus paid that price. He is a propitiation for our sin. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. And we, this is impossible for us. Only Jesus Christ is capable of achieving this. Our Redeemer. He himself is the propitiations for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the whole world. Now, this um, propitiation, it's an atoning sacrifice. The acts, act of expiating or making satisfaction or reparation for an offense. And the offense is great. So we have a propitiation for our sins. And this is offered to the world, to everyone. Now, there's always been a great debate. The Calvinists, the Arminianists, you know, of just the elect. Or is it the whole world? Is it available? We're not going to go into that today. But we were all once of the world. We're in the world now, but we're not of the world. We're pilgrims here. But before Christ, we were all of the world. And now that we received him, John writes in his gospel, to those who have received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And of course, the most popular verse that man knows, because it's at every sports game there is, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So, I thank him that 
He allowed me to know. And we were all there. We all once walked in that same course. But now that we are Christ's, we're walking in the light. As believers, we're born again and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're a new creation. Paul tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Aren't those verses just food for your soul? That's why I love being in God's word. It really is encouraging. Yes, it, it confronts my sin and I'm grateful for that. I don't like the process. It's like when I was young and growing up and, and I thank God for, for the parents that I have. I mean, my mom didn't let much slip by. She was on me and, you know, I rebelled. And it was tough. I even, I, I even packed a little sack and ran away one day. Didn't last long. I was walking out the door and my mom turned around and looked at, where do you think you're going? Get back in that room. And this happened. And, and, and I did. I went back in my room and, and I, of course, you know, pouting. And, but it was good. And my mom and I, um, we, we, we had a lot of contention, but she was a great mom. I love you, mom. I thank her for what she did. She helped make me the man I am today. And, and, and I think because of that, and parents, uh, this is why it's critical to discipline your child. Spare the rod, spoil the child. You do not want a spoiled child. For our sake in the world, we don't want spoiled children, right? But because of that, I recognized that there was authority over me and I ought to adhere to the good authority. My parents were good authorities. That helped me to recognize also that God is my authority and I need his authority terribly. I need it terribly. How do we keep from sinning? Preparation. You know, this is a battle. I mentioned, you know, we're soldiers. And we can't let up. You know, when you enlist in the, the military, what do they do? They take you through boot camp. And they try to erase everything that you knew from the past and, and teach you disciplines and, and strict regiments. Why? Because if you have to go to battle, you have to be able to react from what you've learned, the disciplines that you learned. And the Christian walk really is no different. I find myself falling into sin most of the time when I'm caught off guard. <laughs> now, forgive me, Darlene, for, for this description here, but sometimes when, when I have a hard, stressful day at work and, and I come home thinking all about myself and all about my stress and I walk in the door, and this hasn't happened often, but sometimes it does, and, and Darlene, my wife, greets me at the door with, oh, honey, could you do this? And it's like, oh, not now. And sometimes I don't react well. It's just, do you know the day I've had? <laughs> but, you know, that's a reminder to me. It's like, don't, and it's very simple, right? But we get caught off guard. And that happens in all of our lives. And, and that's when we trip. So we have to be prepared. And, you know, it's a daily thing. Take up the cross daily and follow him.
start your day being in God's word. It's so encouraging. That's where we get the hope. He blesses our souls, starting right off the bat and in prayer. And, you know, I, I don't do it every day. I, I miss days and every time I do, <laughs> I recognize it's different. Today's a little different. Because a blessed soul blesses the world, you know. I go out and I see people in a different light. I, uh, I, I remind myself often how blessed I am and others aren't so much. And most of all, we are rich in Christ. <laughs> we have abundant life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have eternity to look for. Death has no sting. We have that hope. The greatest hope that can ever be given to mankind. And so we are an ambassador for Christ. We need to be prepared always looking at those around us because the world is hurting terribly. This week we, we got together with some friends and it's always a great balance when you, you really reach out to, to friends and you gather together. Um, you know, I find oftentimes too, we Christians, we like to kind of separate ourselves from the world a little bit and, and just, oh, let's stay away from that. Well, that's, it's good to, to have a healthy boundaries, but it's not good to lose touch because when you look at the people that you've grown through with in life, and you get together with them and you catch up. Hey, how are things? Oh, they're great. This person, you know, they, they, they got through, they're a little late bloomer, but they got through school and college and, and now they have a really great job and they're serving people and they're just doing wonderful. And then you hear other stories. And it's just a great reminder what can happen in people's lives. How's this person? Oh, man, it's sad. It's a very sad story. You know, their child overdosed or someone committed suicide or another divorce occurs and they separated themselves from their spouse. And you knew these people. You know, even amongst Christians, 50% of marriages within the church fail. And I think that statistic might actually be higher today. I think it's up to 60%. So you could look around and, and you could probably point to the person on one side or the other side and say, one of them's not going to work. We can't be caught off guard by sin. We need to stay in God's word. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what is a great pattern to set in your life. And even as we grow older and more mature in Christ, we can't become complacent. We have to realize and remember that, you know, we've grown in the knowledge of our Lord and He has blessed our lives abundantly. And I feel, I know that we're going to suffer for Christ, but God also blesses us and He fills us with joy. And oftentimes, I just am so blessed. But I have to always remember 
that, you know, I can't just sit there and enjoy it. God wants me as an ambassador to go out and make disciples, to get involved with the people around me, to share with the world the good news that they're all seeking for. That's the thing that every one of them are seeking for it in some manner, shape, or form. There's an emptiness in every one of us. And we were so blessed to be able to know God and he revealed himself to us. How many people around us can you affect? Just one person, you're blessed if you change their life because you shared the hope that's within you. So we have an advocate, a propitiation for our sins and there's no greater gift that we can have than that. Let's move on. Do we know him? It's a good test. John's given us a test now as we move on to verse 3. And we, we should ask ourselves and have, a, have this test if we know him. Are we really a Christian? Know this or know by this that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Who are we talking about? Jesus. These are, this is a great test. And, and John is writing too. Keep in mind, this is to us today and also to those in John's time here in Ephesus. The Gnostics were, were around propagating all kinds of lies in the church. And so John is, is making sure that, listen, if you think you're a true believer, are you keeping his commandments? If you're not, you say you know him, but you're not keeping his commandments, you're a liar. The truth's not in you. So, you know, you can also judge others by this. You can recognize a true believer by their fruits. And, you know, in the world today, we have people parading around as Christians. And they have agendas. They're going in directions. And there are Christians that are following them. Because the sheep want a shepherd. The sheep want to follow somebody. And so, unfortunately, even believers in Jesus Christ are caught off guard. And they're following these false prophets, these liars. They might have 99% of the truth. But that 1% is where it's a lie. It's not truth. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Amen. You've probably recognized in your life, as you walked in Christ, you... You have good disciplines and you're close to the Lord. And you notice how your life is blessed and that God's word is perfected in you. And you just, it's personal, right? 
The walk with Christ is a personal relationship. And that's why we know, because we're walking in Him, we're blessed, we're walking in His commandments. And we're walking more and more like Christ as, as we follow Him. And in that is a blessing. But we must continue to do so. We must continue to press forward. Knowing God is what we need to be doing. Learning to know Him through personal experience. Your daily walk. Learning how God loves you and wants to guide you in your life. I, I really, as I press into Him more and more, I recognize you know, just being humble and offering yourself as a sacrifice to the Lord. <laughs> That's just our, what we should be doing on a daily basis is a living sacrifice because that's where the will of God is going to be perfected in us. And that's when we're going to shine brighter to the world, to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers, those around you. I had the privilege this week of actually sharing the gospel with two, two people at work. And it's great because um, they didn't reject it. They didn't make a decision, but, you know, I planted a seed. And what was wonderful is they actually received it with encouragement. And so, you know, I pray for them and, and I pray that God continues to, to water that seed. You know, I, I can't save anybody. Neither can you. But we can only share the good news and the hope that's within us. And in these days and times, it's even more critical. You know, we get involved in politics. I know... We often say, well, we need to make these changes. And, and the politics is, is, is the thing that's the news constantly, right? So what's, what's put in front of you all the time is, is something that, of course, you focus on. But we can't really, we, we have to vote and we have to do the right things there. But we can't focus and get so entrenched into that that we start to take off the focus from what, what God wants us to do. You can have the greatest kings and leaders in the world and again, if, you, if you, you lose your soul, it doesn't profit anything. So the only way that men will be changed is through the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The truth that sin is real, not Israel, is real. <laughs> and we need to be aware of it. And this is, by the way, this is so crucial. If a person doesn't know that they need a redeemer, then why would they consider it? They need to know that they're lost and dead in their trespasses and sins and what sins look like. And it's really not difficult. Find a person who's hurting and the, the life they're experiencing. It's like, what is this? <laughs> it's just a... Um, oh, my mind went blank. The, the word, it's, it's just what sin has done in their life. You know, it's the payment for sin. The wages of sin is death. And use that as an opportunity to say, you know, this is, this is the depravity of man. And it's okay because we have a redeemer. 
It's Jesus. Have you heard about him? Share that hope. How do we know that we're the Lord? Uh, we know the Lord and we're a Christian. The other thing I wanted to point out, um, I've, I've counseled men uh, in different scenarios. And one of the things that I always like to know, and, and don't ever, by the way, be afraid to ask this of a fellow Christian, especially if they're going through, through troubles. How do you know you're a Christian? Great question to ask. How do you know? And listen for their answer. You will know uh, if they know him, if they keep his commandments and they're walking in them. But you can't get anywhere. Nothing can change in a person's life truly unless they know their redeemer, the lover of their soul, the one that can do the transformation. So ask that question. Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. What are his commandments? Well, go back to Matthew chapter 22, 37 and through 40. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And, or this is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't have a desire to love the Lord and, and to press into him, you're maybe not in a good place in your walk. Uh, even question, you know, can you pass the test? Do you know that you're, you're a true follower of Christ? You should have recognized a point in your life where you came to the knowledge of, of Christ and you received, uh, you repented and you received the gift that he has given to you. I can rec recognize that in my life. And what's interesting is my family around me, though they didn't tell me at the time, later in life they told me, I knew something had changed. And, and back to the story I shared about the, uh, the contention with my mom, we, we battled a lot and she won. And, um, but my dad told me, and it was just a blessing to me. He said, you know, I knew a change had happened in, in your life because suddenly... Like a switch, you are no longer contentious with your mother. That is just a sweet news to me because it was nothing intentionally that I did. I had no power over that. I mean, you don't change overnight. But it was a, a, a fruit that my father recognized in me. And, and he just kept encouraging my mom because at the time I, I started going to a, a church that had, had a Bible and they, they actually um, had encouraged everyone to have one and go through it and preached out of it. Every message was out of it. And so um, my mom was a little discouraged because I, I stepped away from the, the Catholic church at that time. But my dad kept encouraging her and saying, look at the changes in this boy's life. And so, uh, and I recognized the other changes, you know. Didn't recognize that one. Um, it was just, uh, it was nice relationship then and my mom we have a great time now we laugh about those times and stories and uh, so it's wonderful but knowing that you are a Christian uh, that's the first priority do you love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul and your mind and do you love your neighbor of yourself um, how well are you loving your neighbor this is also part of the Christian life and having fellowship with one another in our immediate congregation 
and really with the brotherhood. Now, I know we don't always agree on, on things and, and certain things, but we, we must always agree that um, man is lost, but Jesus Christ, he died on the cross for our sins and God raised him from the dead and that he is our propitiation. There is no wavering in that. We all must believe that's the truth. Now, other things, sure, you're going to have some truth, but that is priority. And we need to, to, to walk in those, walk in the light, live out his commandments, keep his commandments, and walk in them. And Jesus is our example. What a great example. I mean, here's the creator of heavens and earth. Left his abode in heaven to accomplish the plan of redemption for us. I think about that sometimes and I just think, man, Jesus is awesome. He left that. Why? To be scorned, to be beaten. He knew it was going to happen. And he came Anyways, and he went through all of that. And I remember his, his prayer in the garden. Just the one prayer and, and he knew he was sweating blood because he was in communion with the Father and he knew what was before him. And what was before him, I don't think, was the cross so much. And that suffering. But ultimately, the separation that he was going to have taking on the sin of the world. The separation from his Father. You know, we might be a little callous about it sometimes in our, in our life. We walk away and we don't think about that separation, right? And sometimes we, we look at that separation. We think, oh good, now I can hide and go and, and walk uh, not like I'm supposed to be walking. And then destruction occurs. And then we come back to the Lord. Thankfully, he's waiting there and he allows us to come back. Jesus was perfect. He led the perfect life. He was Perfect in every way, the perfect lamb. But he had to be separated from his father. And he knew, he knew the weight of that. And that is why he said, Father, if possible, this cup could pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Hmm. That was crucial. And Jesus followed through he followed the will of the Father. And so, what a great example. You know, Jesus often, if we look at his life and look who he was, and yet what did he do? We often see um, right after his baptism, he was driven into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And he prayed and he prayed and he had communion with the Father because he knew the, the ministry that was set before him. And he oftentimes was, um, went into prayer. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. We see Luke writing about that. And after he had dismissed the crowds, uh, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Oftentimes he would go and he'd be in prayer all night. This is Jesus. I mean... How much more should we be in prayer? (laughs) 
Wow, I find that just amazing. And thankfully, he gave us the comforter. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so the, the Holy Spirit prays for us even when we aren't. And groans in prayer. Thank God he gave us the comforter. Wow. You know, we, we don't recognize it. And maybe when we get to heaven, God's going to uh, show us a, a, a few movie clips. Hey, look what you avoided because the Holy Spirit was in you. And look what I saved you from. Look what your life could have been. You know, you just think about some of those things and you think, thank God. Thank God that's not my life. No one will know the true blessings of God until they press into Jesus and learn to know him more and more and more. I mean, that is the great blessing that God gives us. His word is living and active. It transforms us. It changes us. So we have many examples. And, and get into the, God's word. Just look at how Jesus walked. This is how we're supposed to walk. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's impossible to accomplish the will of God in your life if you're not in communion with the Lord. And then John goes on, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you. He's got me confused. Is this a new one or is it an old one? Which thing is true in him and in you? Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light. There is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Last night, I, I do this all the time. So it's more than last night. But uh, Darlene, when she goes to bed, sometimes I, I'm out still doing some things before I, I get to bed at night and all the lights are off. And I continue just walking through the house, you know. It's like, well, I know how many steps, pretty much. I, know, I think I know where I'm at. But I'm always touching walls to make sure, you know, put my antlers out there a little bit. But I, I'm walking in darkness and last night I ran into the wall. <laughs> and this verse, because, you know, I, I was going through this message, you know, I'm walking in darkness, and I'm just thinking, oh, man. <laughs> but this is what, the, what it's like. If we're not walking in the light, we're going to walk in the darkness. We're going to be walking in a direction that we shouldn't be walking. And sometimes, Darlene, she knows I do this, so she flips the light on real quick just to see how I'm going. <laughs> and then she laughs. It, it, it's comical. But, you know, what a great example. That's, that's walking in darkness. This is not a good thing. 
you're going to stumble. You're going to run into walls. You're going you're to go off the path. And sometimes you can get really hurt. So, I believe it's, 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 John is saying, it's not a new commandment, it's an old commandment. But what he's going back to is that this is a commandment that we knew, of course, we were supposed to love our brothers from the beginning of time. But when Jesus was here, he said, love your brothers as I have loved you. That's the beginning of that new commandment. As I have loved you. And so, I want to encourage you guys today, if there's anyone in your life that you aren't loving like you're supposed to, or you have an ought against them, or they, they, they have against you, it's incumbent upon you to be intentional and to go in love and try and right that wrong. We are examples to the world, and if we aren't healthy here in, in the body of Christ, then how can we be healthy outside? You guys are all a blessing to me. I love to see when you're all here. I love to see when you partake in, in the Bible studies. It encourages me. And I know it does you as well. But we can't do that if we're not walking in the light and we're not loving our brothers. And we know all the commandments are wrapped up in this. And so, um, love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your brothers and sisters. And so I have to bring this to a close. I had more. I didn't know what I would get through this morning. But that's all right. We have an advocate with the Father. Forgiveness for our sins through the propitiation of Jesus Christ. The love of God is perfected in us as we keep his commandments. And the true light is already shining if we love God and love one another. Guys, Keep that light shining. Keep growing. Keep in the word. We need you for each other so it's selfish. We need you and we need ourselves to be lights to the world. Amen.